We have a great program today, you guys. It's account-based marketing, and the title is ABM Use Case, Lessons from the Front and How It's Impacting Sales Pipeline. The backdrop here, everybody, is I'm going to be interviewing Mark Corona. He's run a number of ABM programs, and he's got some great lessons. And the condition of the marketplace is basically people want to learn from those who have ventured out into account-based marketing. What have they learned? Mark is a CMO at Chief Outsiders, which is a organization of fractional CMOs. And Mark is also the CMO at Dalson Industries. And I'll let Mark introduce Dalson in a moment here. But essentially, Mark's got a lot of background running a number of these types of programs. He's uh, international, and he's got a track record of consistent growth as a CMO. He's done turnarounds and repositioning across multiple industries. And uh, uses digital and account-based marketing and many of the other technologies and methodologies to do the work. And um, his passion, and you'll, you'll hear this in the interview, is really about helping leadership teams accelerate revenues and, and profits. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tom. Appreciate the chance to join you today. Hey, Mark, as a CMO, you've overseen a number of account-based marketing programs recently. You've got a wealth of knowledge. Can you select one of your uh, examples as a use case and share with us? Yeah, I'm happy to. Tom, I think the one that's probably most relevant is the one that we've run the longest. So Dalson Industries is a metal fabricator in the Twin Cities area. A couple of years ago, probably about two and a half years ago specifically, they ran into a real need to diversify into new markets and reduce their customer concentration. They had been manufacturing racks for solar equipment manufacturers. One customer had actually become 50% of its business. And if you know anything about the solar market, you probably understand how cyclical it is and really dependent on government credits to stimulate investments. Dalton mm -hmm. rode the market up and then it was rapidly riding it down. And so a go-to-market strategy was really required. Okay. So what were the, the CEOs and the CSOs perspectives? Well, they understood the magnitude of the crisis, and they're both very strong operational executives, but they're not marketing executives. They're not really schooled in growth, and so they were really looking for me to implement a much more balanced go-to-market and growth-oriented program. Okay. It's my understanding. Obviously, account-based marketing was the direction you went, so why did that work in this case for Dalson versus, you know, the traditional inbound demand gen. Dalson was actually uh, an innovator early on in generating web-based leads. And when they were one of the few fabricators out there, they had pretty good success. But if you really looked at their sales funnel, their conversion rate on web-generated leads was a pretty miserable 3%. And, and I use 3% generously because I think it was actually under 1% yeah. for a long period of time. That makes sense. So just a couple of uh, big-picture key learnings that some of our listeners should keep in mind when they're, when they're putting together their program. Well, I think the key word is iteration. At mm -hmm. Olson, we've implemented six programs right now. And every time we've implemented a new program, we've continued to refine our approach. And we're using ABM to expand geographically and also to expand into new markets. Since diversification is such an important business strategy, mm -hmm. we had to align our marketing strategy with that need and then also design marketing programs that would efficiently and effectively support the need for diversification. 
The other thing is, I think the business has been a pioneer in understanding the value of an ideal customer profile. Previously, they would take anybody who'd show up on the website, spend a lot of time trying to qualify them, and then realize after they put a lot of sales time and effort into it that they were talking to a lot of uh, potential customers who really weren't potential customers. Some of them, in fact, shouldn't have, been, shouldn't have even got that far in the discussion. Ah. So an ideal profile has allowed them to become much more proactive, and you know is the core of a good ABM program. Fully agreed. And any comparatives versus the inbound you could just summarize to show a comparison to that point? Yeah, you know, there's a number of dimensions. You can compare web-generated leads with ABM program-generated leads. From lead quality from websites is, is largely unknown until you put a lot of time and energy trying to understand them. Since you start with an ideal client or an ideal customer profile in an ABM program, it's a better fit right off the bat. You have to plow through a lot of leads from web-generated activities, but using ABM, you start out with much better targeted marketing, which means that the initial quality, even at the demand level or the lead generation level, is much better. Cost for leads can be very different. And one of the things that I kind of summarize web-generated leads versus ABM-generated leads, Tom, is I think about web-generated leads as prospecting with a shotgun versus an ABM program where you're prospecting with a rifle with a high-powered scope so that you can really identify the sweet spot customers that you really want to do business with. There you go. That's the uh, the focus, and I appreciate that. So just a a couple other relevant points uh, based on that. that, that you would tell some of our listeners as they design the program? Well, absolutely. you got to start with your best prospects. When you design a program, some of the criteria that we found useful are specific geographies. So you can define geographies as states or zip codes, specific companies that you want to do business with. When you find large companies in a target market, you say, hey, here are 40 solar manufacturers I'd love to develop a relationship with. That's a great Mm -hmm. place to start. You can define companies by the ideal client profile and then combine that with industry SIC or NAICS codes. Often people don't think about ABM as being a program to go back to existing customers, Tom. Mm -hmm. But existing customers have a business development potential, right? I mean, you can sell them more services, more products, and that's typically a good program because you've already spent money acquiring the initial relationship. So now you're just kind of keeping it warm and extending Mm it. The other thing is that a lot of uh, companies that I work with are pretty good at identifying members on the buying team who they need to get in front of, right? So if you're a manufacturer like Dalson, you know, you're talking about VPs, directors of engineering, product development, operations. And for any company, the personas or the target roles can be very different. And an ABM program is really all about contacts versus companies, right? It's mm-hmm. specific people that we need to message to, not sort of broad company messaging. Brilliant. Very good stuff. Is ABM, though, Mark, practical for most business-to-business firms? No, I think it is. It's not typically use- as useful in a consumer world because the purchase process for consumers is often very different than it is for in the B2B world. 
as long as you've got a relatively high value product or service or solutions that are offering and you know that there's a unique set of prospects that are a good fit for that, then I think it's a go. I mean, in terms of a pilot program, it doesn't work the same for everybody. You and I have done three programs with three manufacturers. I think two out of the three would say they're extremely satisfied with the results. The third one has taken longer to really develop their prospect database. And maybe it's just the nature of a different kind of buyer or a different industry. So, you know, I I suggest piloting and iterating is the way to go after this. Without a doubt. You mentioned about markets, new market segments. Is, Is ABM a good route to test those markets and segments? Well, it is. You know, the original program we started at Dalson Tom was trying to develop more demand for a plant that the business had in the southwest part of the U.S., trying to drive more capacity into that plant. Later on, we looked at our sort of home region, if you will, the upper Midwest kind of five or six state region, and realized that we really had opportunities to better penetrate that particular region as well. And now we're actually taking that program to the southeast U.S. So it's very, very effective when you're targeting very defined geographies. But you can also define your prospects by industry types, right? So we've done programs for developing solar manufacturers, medical equipment, OEMs, large vehicle manufacturers. So, And you can combine kind of the target markets with the target geographies as well. ABM is the hot topic of the day. Is it here to stay or is this just another fad that's going to get replaced in two or three years? Huh? What do you think? <laughs> well, I tell you, to be frank with you, Paul, it's been here for decades. And Mark and I laugh about this because once it got all excited, you know, a couple years ago when him and I put our heads together, started designing programs together, dear God, we said, but wait a minute, this (laughs) is the fundamentals of focus your sales on the right specific markets and areas and geos and only market to those accounts. So maybe the name is new, but the concepts have been around forever here. If you talk to anybody in high value sales or key account sales, they'll roll their eyes and think, well, welcome to the table, marketing. So lay it out for us here. I I think we all heard the term and it's a buzz that flies around, but I'm not sure we really understand it. Well, that's a great segue into the next question. We're trying to use Mark's experiences from a high level to tell us some, some key findings so, so our listeners can design their programs or not be afraid of them. And one of the things they're afraid of, Mark, and maybe you can elaborate on this, is how time-consuming is ABM for companies? You might say, well, this is going to be really expensive, really time-consuming. I don't think it's for me, you know, particularly if you're a smaller, mid-sized business. But the reality is quite different, Tom. We actually found that it saves lots of time because it's focused it's actually faster at generating target sales leads versus non-ABM tactics. The reason I say that is think about a sales funnel versus a sales pipeline, right? My first role, I was a sales executive and uh, you know, I had 50 prospects and I closed 49 of them. And the one I couldn't close couldn't pay me in U.S. dollars. And to me, it was like, well, isn't that the way sales is supposed to be, right? A pipeline, you put in qualified prospects at the front and you generate great customers on the back. The concept of a pipeline, and I use the word intelligent sales pipeline, 
is just that. We're bringing intelligence, we're building relationship building, we're bringing technology in that those of us that cut our teeth in the direct marketing world didn't have the opportunity to do it this well before, right? If you want to go to my um, Chief Outsider site or my LinkedIn site, I actually have an, an ebook that's a free download that has some good background on lead generation, uh, lead qualification using an intelligent sales pipeline. You could find it pretty easily. Yeah, and I have and I have read that. I highly recommend that. That's why I want to make sure we touched upon that. You've got a lot of those, uh, a number of documents and uh, research that you're sharing on your site. That's fantastic. So then the question becomes: Okay, if we're going to implement account-based marketing, can it actually yield a healthy sales pipeline? The answer is yes, and that's why I've used it with probably a dozen different campaigns with um, several clients because the issue is of course that the better quality you put in the higher probability you'll get closed leads that deliver the value that you're looking for I mean you and I are very familiar with the term customer lifetime value Mm -hmm. which is looking at customer uh, profitability over a period of time as former direct marketers as proponents of ABM we love that concept But this is about quality over quantity, Tom. You know, if you get 13,000 web leads a month and 99% of them spend 30 seconds on your website and bounce, I mean, that's the wrong shape funnel, right? Right. Um, I think the expectation, though, often is that there's some short term with ABM, and there can be. But the real value I found is in building healthy mid and long term pipelines, you know, getting back to Dolphin. 40% of our mid and long-term pipeline, which is very substantial, we're talking about multi-millions of dollars, has been generated by our account-based marketing programs. That's fantastic. We really need to make sure we cover this this question in depth because a lot of our listeners are saying, oh, I'm designing mine, or you know what, I, I do I need you know to go out and get a bunch of software and a bunch of staff and do all this stuff? But from what I'm hearing from you between these last couple of comments is it's pretty much using direct marketing methodologies focused in multiple touches on these target accounts and starting a long-term relationship. And I think the key word you mentioned was the relationship and having that vision that we're going to work these accounts because they aren't our sweet spot, that they're worth it, and we're going to feed the the sales organization qualified opportunities as they pop up. So marketing's got a, a lot to do there to work on that pipe, and this methodology sounds like it's the most targeted within the sector that they they sell. That's what I got out of your last couple of comments here. We have time for one last question, Mark. would like to ask you, what can our listeners do to make sure that they achieve the sales pipeline that they want? You need buy-in on the program for both marketing and sales, right? I mean, some companies, they still don't think about integration the way that they really should. ABM is a program that helps integrate marketing and sales programming and make sure that everybody understands what their role is. One of the things that we need from, as we start to pass qualified leads to the sales organization, is feedback, right? Are they really qualified? What do they like about the lead? What didn't they like? Because then we'll use that data to go back, reshape our ideal customer profile, reshape our scripts, and better model those customer relationships and help fine-tune the program. 
And I would also say there are lots of ways a person or an organization could do an ABM program. But for small and mid-sized businesses, the only way I think that makes sense is to use an ABM service provider. Bringing in a new technology and try to do it yourself, I think, will, is not a successful model. I can't agree more. What we've seen time and time again is an organization, before it has a winning ABM process and model in place, they're going out and they're investing in uh, ABM software and they're going getting gummed up in that process. And then they've got tech stack worries and then staffing and all this. And really that flies in the face. And meanwhile, the sales organization is quite concerned standing on the side. So I concur with those small to mid-sized organizations. You've got to have a direct focused program first before you can automate it. It's just, just the best way to do it. So with that stated, I want to thank you, Mark. This has been great. I enjoy this every time we get together and do a program or a show. And I want to thank our listeners for listening and encourage you to uh, visit both Mark's organization and mine for more information. And we're available to continue the discussion on a personal basis. And give us some websites here again, uh, so that uh, if we didn't catch them the first go around here, give us some websites for both of you. How do they find out more information about you? Well, Mark's is chiefoutsiders.com. And mine is directmarketingpartners.com. And so the obvious question is, why did why did he call it chief outsiders? Just we need an outside perspective. Well, you know, it's both. I mean, an outside perspective from experienced chief marketing officers who can help with pattern recognition quickly, figure out where your opportunities are, where your challenges might be, and bring a rich solution set clearly is an advantage to a lot of small and mid-sized executive teams. We give them a perspective on their business, then the next question is, how does that compare to our competitors, and how does that compare to industry benchmarks? So, exactly, exactly. You know, we do provide that rich perspective, but we know we actually become insiders. It's an interesting question because we do consulting, but we don't call ourselves consultants because we actually join our clients' leadership teams for some period of time on a contract basis. And when we set their programs right and get them moving in the right direction and they don't need us any longer, then we go to the background. So we start as outsiders, but we hope to end up as insiders. I guess that's the goal. Well, I feel like I got some inside information here, inside baseball here. I heard from some uh, thought leaders today about thoughts I hadn't hadn't processed too much here. I look forward to hearing more from you guys in the future here. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Paul. Okay.